0: Welcome to the Weights and Measures podcast. It is widely known and accepted that historically the most common form of money was a shiny yellow rock called gold. From the Egyptians and the Aztecs to the Greeks and the Romans, gold has filled these empires treasuries across the globe. And even to this day, gold is held by most nation states buried deep in protected vaults by armed guards. Few, though, stop and ask why gold. Why aren't silver or copper or diamonds primarily held by nations? Most people just simply accept that gold was the most widely used form of money for thousands of years, but never dig into it. Well, we have done the work for you, and will reveal the factors that contributed to gold's rise to being the king of money over all other forms of money. It's important to note that past civilizations didn't come together and agree to use gold. It was a naturally emergent phenomenon. When archaeologists and anthropologists study different ancient societies, they find a wide range of different types of money that were used. From large round stones, bushels of wheat, cows, salt, beads, and even human teeth, money has taken many different forms throughout history, and yet gold's unique characteristics made it the best available form of money. Monetary historians have made two different distinct categories of money. The first we'll call ledger money, otherwise known as credit. The second we'll call physical money, otherwise known as commodity money. Ledger money first showed up in ancient Mesopotamia and is cited as one of the first written words in history on a clay tablet that was used to keep track of who owed who and how much. Ledger money is convenient because it's simply a written record of ownership and doesn't require the movement of something physical, but is prone to abuse through the form of lying or brute force altering the records. As the saying goes, might is right. Whoever owns the records, likely the village chief, king, or president, had to be trusted to be honest, which obviously didn't always happen. The second category of money, bearer money, or commodity money, is the most common form of money, and likely the one most of us think of when we hear the word money. Think cash or gold coin. A bearer instrument is something physical that can be handed to someone, and thus exchanging ownership, which doesn't require a trusted party keeping records, simply said, possession is ownership. Gold and silver are the most common forms of physical money historically, with cash like dollar bills being the most popular form today. But bear money is still prone to abuses similar to ledger money, where a powerful force can simply take your money and call it theirs. But at least one could in theory bury their gold in a secret location, and even if killed by an enemy force, at least their gold could later be retrieved by a family member or an ally. It's fair to conclude that physical money is less prone to abuse than ledger money, for reasons that are obvious but the trade-offs between the two categories of money are inescapable. The issue that naturally arises with both forms of money is figuring out how to defend it from adversaries and corruption. As civilizations grow in size and prosperity, so too did the potential for enemies to attack and loot the treasury. Historically, money pots of gold had a way of attracting enemies like a magnet. Imagine a remote town of a few thousand people slowly building up wealth over time by trading with one another and neighboring towns suddenly being attacked by a stronger force that takes everyone's gold, rendering all the past effort useless. It obviously didn't take long for societies to figure out that they needed to build strong defenses and armies in order to protect their wealth from being seized. If gold, and money more broadly, is simply a social technology that serves as a representation of spent human time and energy, then having it stolen is equivalent to having your life force stolen. Fast forward to the 1500s where the advent of our modern banking began to take shape in places like Florence and Amsterdam, where banks acted as a protective storehouse of people's gold and were trusted to keep it safe from enemies. This would work for a short period of time, but the same problem continued to repeat and cause major pain and suffering to those who had trusted the banks with keeping their gold safe, and it wasn't necessarily an enemy attacking and taking the gold, it was something much more sneaky, but just as devastating to people's wealth. You see, it was practical and convenient for banks to issue paper certificates that were backed by the gold in the banks in order to avoid constantly moving the gold between people. So one would deposit their gold bars or coins to the bank and be given an equivalent in paper notes, like today's cash, that they could easily go out and spend on goods and services. And whenever someone wanted to get their gold back, aka redeem the paper for gold, they'd simply go to the bank and have the paper notes exchanged for the equivalent in physical gold. Until the discovery of Bitcoin, relying on others to safely store your money was the most common choice people made. Most choose to avoid the risk and responsibility of storing gold themselves and choose to trust a bank, also known as trusted custodians. Historically, trusted custodians are often abusers of deceit and theft, with countless episodes of bank runs, runaway inflation, and rehypothecating customers' funds. Meaning, the banks issued more paper notes than there was actual gold in the bank, which is devaluing the currency. In today's world, our paper notes, our money, hasn't been backed by gold since 1971. The definition of the word fiat in fiat money means by decree, or because we say so. So to conclude in our assessment of gold, it's key to give credit where credit is due in that it was the best form of money for the human collective due to its physical traits and scarcity, that is, until 2009, and the discovery of Bitcoin. Bitcoin is digital gold for the 21st century, and its physical and digital properties and its scarcity are far superior to that of gold's. Bitcoin fixes gold's shortcomings, which is primarily its openness to seizure and dilution from gold miners. This is the key takeaway from the gold vs. Bitcoin debate. Gold is continuously mined around the world, and each year around 2% or 3,000 tons of new gold is mined and added to the total supply, meaning in just 50 years gold will be diluted by half in regards to its scarcity. This dilution of gold makes it inherently less scarce than Bitcoin, which has a supply cap of 21 million. Bitcoin is thus more resistant to seizure, more scarce, easier to verify, easier to transact, and easier to store than gold. Bitcoin is simply information that lives on the internet and can be sent to anyone, anywhere, instantaneously, and with no way of stopping it. With the gold standard, you must obey the rulers. With Bitcoin, you must obey the rules. In summary, the reason gold constantly ends up in centralized vaults is because it's heavy and expensive to move, and burdensome to use for daily, small transactions. Bitcoin solves this problem by traveling at the speed of light via communication lines, globally, 24-7 and can be used for payments smaller than one penny, or larger than one billion dollars, and everything in between. Modern times call for modern solutions, and a digital, neutral, decentralized, global hard money that is unconfiscatable and uncensorable, and impossible to dilute, is reshaping the global economy. As the legendary cypherpunk Adam Back said, Gold is literally neolithic, stone-age technology which is impressive and shows simple, robust technology can be the best store of value for a millennia. Bitcoin is digital gold for the next millennia.